Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and you just get me today, baby. Just me in the microphone. Not rambling. Nope, I've got notes. Don't worry. And even my notes have little sub notes, but guess what? When I do that, it helps me come back to what I was talking about before I got on my tangent. No promises that I won't get on tangents, not on my notes, though. Um, okay. So what's going on in my life? I know you like these check-ins, right? Like I just, yeah, you love them so much. Um, I know you guys are definitely curious as to who the first male guest is. I've gotten lots of, um, lots of guesses and I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you, you're going to find out really soon, very soon. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, I'm keeping it a secreto for those that don't speak Espanol. I'm pretty sure that's how you say secret. I'm not 100% because I just guessed. Um, but yeah, nope. Um, a lot of people are guessing that it is Tony Ebel. Tony is also guessing that it's Tony Ebel. I'm just here to say, I, I apologize. It's not. It's not. That would have been too obvious, but he'll be on in 2022. Everybody cool your jets. Um, but no, there's there's actually, I, I am happy to open up this can of worms of men on. They're still going to have to go through quite the process just because like, but you know what? This is really symbolic for me. You know what I didn't think about? You know what is also happening in 2022 for me? I'm hiring my first boy associate. Um, and I, I am super excited about what it is like what it is opening up for our practice, what it is going to do to me as a human being. Um, I think not to get too like philosophical on like, geez, Lauren, cool your jets. Um, it's not that big of a deal. You hired somebody with a different gender part. Um, but no, like I think that I am, it's, it's kind of safe to stay in this like girl power, like boys are this and they don't get me. Um, instead of trying to level up my leadership skills or my podcast skills to kind of continue to be like, okay, well, maybe you could figure out how to answer the, ask those same questions and get thoughtful answers out of that. You know, like, so I don't know. I didn't phrase that really that well, but in my head, I'm thinking this is good. This is good. Lauren is becoming a good human. And I think that ultimately, you know, anytime you've heard Devin Vrana talk about 
uh, male and female gender roles, I think that the key going forward is actually pulling, you know, more female energy into business, pulling more male energy into, um, you know, females or, or males, but like that's, that's the energy that gets things done, the ideas and that. And so it's just like, I think that we both need both. So why would I keep you from, from both? So let's see what else. Um, can I be honest with you? Can we just like have a little moment, just you and me? Um, I'm at an interesting crossroads. And if you're new to the podcast and you don't know who I am, I don't know. This next couple minutes might come across um, weird to you. So go back and listen to the last 150 episodes or whatever. And um, hopefully by now you'll know my heart. And I'm just an open book and really honest and just doing my best here. Um, so I have been getting a lot of requests to be on on podcasts, on stages, on lives. Um, it's like that Britney Spears song, You Want a Piece of Me? Um, that's where if you're new, you're going to be like, oh, girl's got ego. No, it's a joke. It's a joke. Um, but it's interesting because I don't know if you know this, but I don't get paid to do this. And I also don't know if you know this for those that are like, I want to be famous in chiropractic and I want to be on stages. Yeah. You don't get paid. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm hoping some people get paid. Like, I'm hoping, like, the best of our profession who, like, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping they get paid. Maybe at least they get a hotel room paid for them. Um, I get a free ticket to the conference. Um, but a lot of times if I am being on, you know, speaking to – to a group or speaking on a stage, it is out of, um, it's all, all out of my pocket. And, you know, I think where a lot of speakers, it's beneficial to them is they have a membership, they have a course, they have a book. And so they get paid by going to a new audience and being like, Hey, didn't you like my talk? You know, what you can do is you can sign up to coach with me. And so like the potential for going to an event could be thousands of dollars. I don't have any of that. <laughs> I just me and my podcast and I'm like, cool. I got 20 more people to listen to my podcast um, that I don't get paid for. <laughs> so, so it's this conundrum where I'm looking at, you know, the next, cause there's things in February of 2023 that like are starting, people are starting to be like, you should apply to speak here. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, I should, I should, I should. Um, gosh, but like, how much do I want to be away from, like, how much do I want to commit to something that doesn't pay me? So I don't know. There, again, there was really no, uh, wrap up to that. It was just, being honest about where my head's at and what's going on in my life. And for those that think there's a lot of money to be had in a podcast or you're speaking, there's not, there's really not, but Hey, you get an opportunity, get an opportunity. Um, okay. So let's, I'm excited about today's episode. Um, is, like I said, it's just you and me, but don't get discouraged. Um, because I am bringing the heat and talking about what you can do 
while you are waiting for that associate to come into your life. So this is for all the um, business owners out there who are, one, wondering, is now the time that I get an associate? And two, going, oh my God, yes, it is the time. I need one yesterday. What do I do? Nobody's jumping at my job opening. Um, so let's pray. And then we, I got, like, you better have some pen and paper. So if you are multitasking right now, I don't know. If this episode, if I just told you what this is about and you're like, oh shit, Lauren, this is for me. This is for me. Um, you may want to just get some pen and paper out and listen because you should be taking notes. All right. Breathe. Relax the jaw. Connect with your heart. Thank you for your time, for being here with me. I don't take that for granted at all. We're all so, so busy. And you finding time to learn, to better yourself, and for you turning to me um, to help guide you and fill you and inspire you, um, I, that is an honor that I do not take lightly. Help um, everyone listening get from this. Help me be the conduit from my experience to theirs. Um, as always, can, you know, as I am my open book and sharing my flaws and my story, um, let people take from it what works for them and easily disregard anything that does not. I do not want to be put on anyone's pedestal. I am perfectly imperfect as made and so are you. So are you listening? Um, and your story is going to be so wonderful and unique in its own. So please honor yourself for your story and where you're at and the struggles you're going through. And I hope this can help. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, sometimes it's funny because like I always end whatever the heck that prayer session of our intro um, has become uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Because I think it's like the Catholic in me, but like, it's just an easy way to wrap up, like almost like a meditation or a moment where we're all just like breathing and connecting together. Um, some of you are just fast forwarding and you know what? That's fine. That is totally okay. You do you. Um, some, I, there's literally a time I've talked about candles and target for like 13 minutes. So I don't blame you if you are somebody who's just like fasty 40, fasty 40, get to the important part. I do that with some of my favorite podcasts. Um, so don't worry. I don't, I don't shame you or blame you, but yeah, I do think it's interesting when a prayer, when I do a moment that's more about us connecting in meditation, but yet I still end in the good old Catholic girl way of like, in your name, we pray. Amen. Father, son, Holy spirit. Um, anybody there just like do that with me, like forehead, chest, left shoulder, right shoulder. Okay. So I think that I don't want to stop you if you're listening, but if you haven't listened to episode 95, if you have heard what we're talking about, you have read the title and you're like, yeah, I think this is going to be a good topic for me. Um, I do encourage you at some point, either now or afterwards, to go back and listen to episode number 95 with Melissa Kolb. Um, that, I don't remember the name of it, but it's something about an associate, like hiring an associate, something. And Melissa Kolb's cool. She used to be a like recruiter, um, helping chiropractors find associates. And now she kind of does more consulting and helping chiropractors figure out whether they even need an associate. Um, 
And the whole episode's great. She just drops a ton of like pen to paper information. Um, but one of the things she talked about in there was that we, we have a real conundrum. We have a conundrum, people, because we have uh, the idea still very, very prevalent that in order to be a chiropractor, you must, must like to do it correctly, you must also be an entrepreneur. So it's still kind of the gold standard. I don't know if it's a gold standard, but yeah, it's pretty much still the gold standard of you go to chiropractic school and you start your own practice right away. Because what's the point of spending all that money if you're just going to go work for someone? I think that's a broken system. I think it sucks. I think that, um, I think that starting it as, as an associate is a fantastic way to learn on someone else's dime. Um, and it doesn't mean like there's really nothing wrong with starting a practice five years, 10 years into life, like whatever. So but some people, they just got it. Like that's pot calling kettle, right? Like me, I started a practice right away and I don't know. I look back at my 24 year old self and I'm like, could I have worked for someone else? I think so. I do think so. But like God definitely was like, nope, this is what you're going to do. So in that she, um, you know, we talk about like how there are literally more job listings for associates than there are graduates. Okay. And that's a big deal because you, like we just said, even if a hundred percent of graduates from chiropractic colleges were going into associating automatically instead of opening their own practice, we still would have people who needed associates. Um, and you know, that we know that's not the case. I don't know the percentage of chiros that start their own business, but I would guess it's at least somewhere between 40 to 60% of chiropractors start their own business. That's my guess. Okay. So uh, just in case you're wondering, like, Lauren, where'd you get that stat? My ass. I pulled it out of my ass, people. Um, <laughs> side note. Okay. I told you I kept notes. This is not a side note that I kept on my notes. Um, it's funny to me because there's more people that follow me on Instagram than listen to the podcast every week. And so they don't get my true essence, right? Of just like, I don't know, I'm just doing my best and it's not that good. Um, so it's funny to me when people will DM me and they'll be like, hey, do you have any resources for your most recent post? Or like, do you have any data on your most recent post on social media or blah, blah, blah? Or like, you use insight scans. Do you have any research that blah, 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 whatever? And I'm like, ish. I ain't getting paid for this. And no, no, I don't have research. It's funny because I just interviewed Heidi Horvick yesterday. Um, the podcast episode hasn't been released yet, obviously. Um, but I laughed with her because she is like the chiropractic researcher. And there's me who's just like, huh, I don't really feel like I need research. I just got, I just got real life experience and my strong opinions in life. So this is my side note. So out of my ass, I pulled, I guess, 40 to 60% of chiros go and start their own practice. So that leaves us clinics who are like, I need an associate with not a very large pool. So one of the first things before we get into the like meat and potatoes of this, of what do you do is first, let's all take a step who are saying, I need an associate and go, do you, do you need an associate? So I'm going to answer this in a very not easy question, um, but in my mind, it's easy. If you are hiring or if you want to hire an associate because you think that 
they are going to help you make more money. Nah, nah, girls and boys, don't do that. No, no, no. Um, If you're sitting in your clinic going like, well, I'm not at capacity uh, physically, but if I was able to expand my hours and like have an associate to go out in marketing, they would make me more money. Just here to tell you, mm-mm, mm-mm, yeah, no, nope. And that is not something I'm pulling out of my butt. Uh, Melissa Cobe also talks about that in her episode of like, she has seen it over and over. Like, no, no offense to the associates in the group. I love you. I have three of you, um, but you are not cheap. You are really not cheap. And in my experience, every time I've hired on an associate, uh, the numbers dip for a little bit. Like there's kind of this like weird six months where you're like, oh, I thought that I was just going to plop in extra hands and like, boom, money was going to start rolling in. And like, I don't know, maybe I'm just bad at this, but like, that's not how it goes. Um, and so if you're like, no, 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 Lauren, my, my associate won't be expensive because I'm going to put them on like, I'm not going to pay for continuing ed or their malpractice. And I'm going to put them on like a very low base, but a high commission. So I'm going to make them real hungry and they're going to, yeah, unless they make me money, they're not making money. To that, I will say, good luck, buddy. <laughs> um, that's not really how associate job listings go anymore. Um, and if you can find someone who's willing to come in and you pay them $30,000 a year and, but like, Ooh, but you could make 70 if you work your ass off. That is quite possibly true. But just from a personality standpoint, those people who are like, like, I think students are starting to quote unquote, wake up a little bit to that and go like, um, if I'm going to work my ass off to make $70,000, I'm going to work my ass off to make myself grow myself a practice. Now, don't get all offensive. Like if you're offended, if you're like, Lauren, you don't know what you're talking about. You're right. You're right. I already told you. I just sit here and make, say broad statements. So like you could prove me wrong, blah, blah, blah. Still listen to the episode. Don't get all pissy. Get your underwear out of the bundle. So what I'm saying here is that in order to get an associate, you're going to need to be competitive in what you're offering. Okay. And people like to know numbers. Um, you know, from what I've seen, from what I've seen and who I've talked to within the chiropractic profession, um, typically your job posting is going to be somewhere between 40 to $80,000. Like we're spilling the tea here. Sorry. Um, and I could be wrong. I'm just throwing out because some people are like, I don't even know where to start. That's where you should start. Um, and Benefits, you know, not necessarily healthcare benefits, but continuing ed, um, malpractice, like maybe I, we pay for them to get their ICPA training, we pay for coaching, like they're expensive. They're really, really expensive. And so when I'm looking at how much it costs me to bring on an associate, it's about double the salary that I am paying them about by the time about um (laughs) Heidi Horvick asked me yesterday if I was from Canada because within the first like minute I said about and she was like are you from Canada I'm like no just northern Wisconsin um so anyways anytime that you're looking at like all right I, I really think I need an associate can I afford one you know look at all of those things okay because more than likely an associate is going to cost you 
70k plus. It just is. It just is. Um, and again, maybe you can do it cheaper, maybe, but like you're just, you're competing with a lot of different job positions. So let's say that you have gotten to this point in the podcast and you're like, no, Lauren, yeah, 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 cool. I need an associate. I have a wait list. I can't get the people in. I have people calling. I cannot physically adjust as many people as I need to. Well, then you, my friend, sound like you need an associate. So what are you going to do about it? So I'll give you a tiny bit of background. I I know it's funny because I've shared a lot of numbers and I think I've kind of gotten over like, we just don't like to share numbers as chiropractors because like there's just such a bunch of shame and judgment um, on either end of the spectrum of numbers. But I promise you guys that I'm always going to share. So as long as you promise that you're not going to hold on to these numbers as being your story and that like, okay, this is what Lauren said her. So this is for me. No, you're not allowed to do that. I'm going to share numbers in my situation. Um, so I had two associates and we were seeing about 500 people a week. I was three quarters time um, because, you know, we had four office people, five, um, yeah, four office people, two associates, me, 500 people a week. There's just a lot of moving parts. And so for my sanity, um, I and just being able to be a CEO, I cut back and was only working like two full days, two half days. So, um, and oh, and we had two locations, which is a big, that's a big thing. Um, if you can have three docs in one location, your bandwidth is a lot more <laughs> than spread out. So that's just kind of my curse as that I chose as opening multi or like just being in a small town where it's like, well, it's kind of hard to, if you want to see a thousand people a week, that's hard to do in a town of 8,000. So what you end up doing is like doing these little satellite clinics. Um, so again, if you want to know whether I think you should do two locations, go back and listen to the Bobby Vorman's episode. Oh, Bobby, love you. Um, but that's not this conversation. So seeing that we have two locations, three docs, 500 people, four CAs. Um, and, when, and we're kind of like hitting a wall even there. Like, I'm like, I feel like we should be able to see more, do more, what's going on. And, um, uh, Christy Wick, who is one of my best friends within chiropractic and well, just in life. And I remember talking to her about this and she said like, you know, cause she's a coach for female chiropractors and she knows her shit. So this is not her pulling stuff out of her butt. <laughs> uh, but she said, you know, in my experience, and again, caveating, maybe this isn't what she said. This is my perception of what she said. But basically, especially female chiropractors, don't get offended, okay? Listen, we just have different anatomy, people. Um, she said that, like, in my experience with working with female chiropractors, where they kind of max out mentally and physically tends to be 200 to 225, okay? Now, this was her... Um, friendly advice to me a couple years ago. I don't know if it's changed. I don't know. Um, and so I'm like, oh, well, if you do the math, you know, and especially if I'm not full-time, like, yes, in theory, we should be able to see more, but we're kind of hitting this wall. So about six, so then I find out that one of my docs is leaving because her husband got a wonderful corporate job with UPS over in New Jersey. She, you know, she'd been with me for a couple of years. She was wonderful. I loved her. She loved us, but like, it was just time for her to be onto a different part of her life and adventure. It's actually kind of nicely timed 
um, because the pandemic was just starting. Um, it had started about a month and a half ago. There's a lot of things, interesting things happening with practices as you all, if you've been in practice, know. Um, numbers were down. And so it wasn't a terrible thing for me to be like pulled back into the clinic. Well, about six months after she left, our clinic bumped up. Um, so now we're seeing about 530 to 550 with two docs. And we've signed a contract for a third location that would start in about nine months. It was an opportunity. I've talked about it where we're like contracted eight hours a week for the school district, yada, yada, um, that I had to say yes to. Like I, I had to. Uh, the workaholic in me, Kirby's listening as he's editing going like, yeah, yeah, you had to say yes. I did. Um, so all of this, I ramble on to tell you, I did about a year. Um, my associate and I did a year of adjusting way too many people um, in a short time. And this was our, it's just with our model. Like some people see, some people easily see 200 people in a day. This is just not for me. It is not a judgment. Like I physically and mentally can't do it. Um, you know what? I don't want to put those limitations on myself. I will take that back. I haven't figured out how seeing that many people allows for their experience to be good and my mind and body not to break down. So if you see that many, hey, can you send me a DM? Because like, I would love to like mastermind with you and figure out how I can just be better. Um, but anyways, that was also, that was a tangent, not on my side though. So I did a year of the pretty intense, like three locations, 600 people, two docs um, thing, because that third location brought people. And it broke me physically and mentally, which is not the point of the episode. But if you do go back and listen to episodes, basically number 100 to, or no, 90 to 140, <laughs> you'll see the like slow mental digression of Lauren just being burned out. And that was what was going on there. So the point of this episode is, what did I do during that time? Like, what did I do while I was waiting for my magical, perfect associate to say, yes, I will move to Rice Lake. I love what you're doing. I love your practice and be a good fit for our clinic. So there are three major things that happened over the course of that year that kept us afloat and growing technically with money and patience, deteriorating mentally and physically. Um, so before I tell you the three, I do want to mention the one I didn't do. And I, this was in my three biggest mistakes of 2021. I didn't hire a consultant or coach, which bleh, should have done that. Okay. I told you in that episode, that was a mistake. That would have been really helpful. I just did this all by myself, which is my personality. So the, um, one of the things that I did, number one, is we, we looked at where are our bottlenecks. Okay. We made a list of where everything beyond an adjustment, whether it's if we do K-tape, hooking someone up to STEM, a progress exam, a new patient, a day two, a financial review, like where are all the things, everything beyond an adjustment that bottlenecks us in the clinic. And so we kind of made this list and we found that one of the biggest things on the list that no one else could do except me was the day two. Um, and I'll talk about in a minute what we do with day one. But anyway, so for us, if you haven't listened to why I don't adjust on day one, an episode, I don't know, back there. Um, and then what we do on day two, go ahead and listen to it. It's 
I almost said it's great, but then that seemed really self-serving. Like, I'm amazing. Um, that was just a voice. That was not my Trump impersonation. Not that my Trump impersonation would be any better, because uh, I'm terrible at doing impressions. Uh, but so we looked and we're like, okay, the day two is the sales pitch. It's the communication. It is where the big idea, we've planted seeds on day one. Day two is where the magic happens and they learn what the heck this chiropractic thing is all about. And, um, I, I need to do it. And so it takes about a half hour in our clinic. And so we needed to, we looked at the schedule and we reserved times over the next two months where like, all right, we will reserve these for potential day twos throughout the schedule. And we just like scheduled them and saved time for those. Because what happens is, is, you know, if you don't look to the future and reserve times for those major things that are going to be a bottleneck to getting new patients in, um, then you're just weekly patients kind of fill it in and you have little five minute spaces, 10 minute spaces. But if you know that you need 30 minutes to onboard a new patient, you need to make sure that you are looking out over the next month, six months and reserving times. And does that mean that you need to go to a system where it's like, we only take new patients at 8 a.m. or 4.30 or whatever on these days, it might be what you need to do. And if when you're scheduling a new patient that week, you happen to have a space in your schedule that would allow for that, great, you can be flexible in that moment. But if you are truly at a situation where you're like, I can't get people in, I'm on a wait list, this is kind of what you need to do. Um, so number two is... Uh, everyone around me, and anytime I'm talking about me, I'm also talking about my associate, Doc Jess, who was a rock star during this. Like I was not carrying the brunt of this. We were doing it um, equally. But everyone around me and her just basically treated us like professional athletes. Um, I would love to say I did a better job of it than I did. I didn't. Like I should have, knowing the numbers that I was going to be seeing, um, I should have started a yoga practice and been disciplined about it, but I was tired because I was adjusting. Um, I should have signed up for like once or twice a month massages. I didn't because I was lazy and didn't think that was necessary. Um, but our team did do a better job. They made like, they made sure we had water, like little things like if you're going from patient to patient to patient, they would fill our water for us. Um, because I didn't have time to fill it. And we would have like hand signals for when I needed to pee. And then the front desk would be like, okay, I'm going to tell you when you can go pee. And like, all right, stop. Okay, I'm going to pause this patient. Go ahead, go pee. Like they really took over everything in the clinic and took care of us. Like in our um, team meetings, they would talk about us almost in third person like, you know, our lead office manager would talk to the other office managers being like, okay, we need to support the doctors. And like, this is how, like, this is our job duty to like, we need to like, they really just talked about us. Like we were the, the horse, we were the horse in the derby, like type of thing without us, there was no income. And so that kind of goes to the third thing, which is the longest of the three, which is there was a mindset of anything beyond adjusting and in our case day two the like the the sales pitch for lack of a better phrase um 
was like, who else can do it? Who else can do everything? What can we take off the doctor's um, job duties? And how can we delegate this? Because, so now keep in mind at this point, we had two doctors, three locations, and one, two, three, four, five, six support staff. Okay. Um, so some of these things I'm going to tell you, like, and two of those support staff were like half-ish time, not half-ish time, but whatever. Um, and so some of the things I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like, Lauren, I don't want to hire four CAs instead of one doctor. I agree. But you may listen to these suggestions and go, maybe it's easier to hire a 30 to 40,000, I don't know, 25 to 40, I don't know what people pay their CAs. Um, maybe it's easier to bring on somebody locally who doesn't have a chiropractic degree, but has run an office before. Or maybe there's a nurse that uh, got fired or let go from her job in 2021. <laughs> Wonder why? She's obviously philosophically aligned. Um, who doesn't want to go back into the bureaucracy of mandates and all that. And maybe she's looking for something different. Like maybe you can hire her. Like maybe there's a patient of yours that's been a stay-at-home mom that her kids are now in school and she wants to get, you know, back into things. Maybe that's going to be easier for a little while until finding a graduate with a chiropractic degree to come to your clinic. So like I said, we removed ourselves. We looked at everything that I did and said like, what is essential? Okay, adjusting. We can't delegate that. <laughs> no way. Um, and in our clinic, the way we ran things, it was the day two. Um, day one, some of you are going like, how did you delegate day one, the new patient exam? Lauren, that seems really irresponsible. Okay, here's what we did. So um, we there's a training where you can send your staff to to learn how to take a new patient intake. Now, I don't know if this is legal in all states. I, I think it is. In Wisconsin, it for sure is. So with every episode, I should caveat, Lauren's not a lawyer. She doesn't know the state laws. If I say something illegal, don't do it. Um, so in our state, we're able to send a non-chiropractor to learn how to take an intake. And so I did that. And it's great because the office support staff, the CA that I had, had actually wanted to originally go into nursing years ago, but like you was being called to us. So this was like right up her alley of, you know, so we followed the nurse, the nurse model where you go to the doctor, the nurse comes in, does some things, then the doctor comes in and we're like, well, if it works for them, like, let's see how we can do this. So she went to training. Obviously, as you can imagine, I needed to do additional training. And so we sat down and for, you know, the first few weeks with a new patient, we'd go over the new patient paperwork together before she'd go in. And I go like, okay, um, so they're saying sciatica. Here's what I want you to find out. I want you to find out if it's true sciatica. Did somebody diagnose it? Is it shooting pain 
into the leg? Does it stay in the low back? Does it go past the knee? Like kind of just giving her some of these questions like, okay, they said they had a concussion. Ask if they were analyzed by this and this. Did they take any rest time? Like I would just kind of ramble off a bunch of questions like uh, go down this rabbit hole, find out. She says the birth was good, but yet also says Pitocin was involved. Ask these questions. Um, and we kind of, I would spew you know, 60 seconds to two minutes of like, here's what I want you to dig deeper on. Um, then she would go in and spend 20 minutes connecting with the new patient because I believe that day one is more than just asking the questions. It's connecting with the patient, hearing their story out. And I didn't have time to hear them and connect with them. Um, and if I did, I was going to have to charge a hell of a lot more because 20 minutes, you do the math, I could have seen 10 people. So I'd be adjusting, adjusting, and we would coordinate our schedule like, okay, Lauren's going to need about five minutes then once uh, Sarah comes out. So then our CA would come out. She would go like, all right, here's what she said. I would then obviously have, typically I would have some more follow-up questions, maybe an orthopedic test I'd do or so, whatever. So I'd go in, I would stay standing. I would have the notes in my hand. I would reiterate a couple of things that Sarah shared with me. So the patient knew like, okay, yep, this handoff of information did happen. I would do a couple like, you know, physically laying my hands on the spine. Um, and then I'd go like, okay, I have that information. Most of the information I'm going to get from your nervous system is going to come from your scan. And then I would walk them over to get a scan. Or maybe sometimes they'd get a scan beforehand. And I would just be like, okay, that's everything we need. Um, between now and then, I'm going to look at your scan. I'm going to review your notes. You did a great job doing them. Um, and next time we'll sit down and I'll give you a game plan. And so we figured out a way that a new patient took me five minutes. I don't know if that's going to work for you. Okay. Don't get all snippy with me. If you're like, that's impossible. Like whatever. I'm just giving you a seed of inspiration. Um, so yeah, so we figured out the day one, day two, like I said, irreplaceable in my mind. I just can't let control go of control of it. So I like to do day twos. It's one of my favorite parts of my job. So like I said, the first suggestion of like, what do you do while you wait is we scheduled out times for those day twos to happen. Cause honestly we could get a new patient in. we found out a way we could get five new patients in, in a day because we were delegating so much of it. Um, but the day two, we couldn't. So another area that we delegated was marketing. We really, you know, I had uh, Kirby and another CA, our marketing lead, basically writing scripts for me. They knew how to write content. And basically they would give me a script, give me a phone, give me a microphone, say, read this. Like, cool. And then that would get turned into an ad on Facebook. Um, Kirby dug into like Google stuff didn't require anything from me. Um, our staff took pictures, our staff wrote content. Like it was really, I was, I would sometimes be told, Hey, I need you to do a video on this. But like, even then it was minimal. Like, cause here's the deal. Like if you have so many patients calling to become a new patient, like you're doing something right with your marketing. So like, I don't want to say pull back on it, but figure out how your marketing can keep going. That does not require time from you. That has to be delegated. Um, progress exams. So I believe in the power of a progress exam. I know most of you don't do them. Um, if you have insight scans, you probably do. Um, but a progress exam is there 
to check in with the patient. It's the, if you haven't listened to our episode on PVA, patient visit average, basically how long does a patient stick around for? If you haven't listened to that, you don't know that I believe in progress exams. If you have listened to it, then you know I believe in progress exams. They're super important. And I think it's really hard to have a high PVA without checking in consistently with your wellness patients. Um, so in our clinic, we do the insight scans. Like, I love them. I can't, you guys, I can't tell you how much I love them. Um, you know, if you're not using insight scans in your clinic, reach out to me. I'll, I'll talk you through it because it can be, um, it can be an investment in both money and time, the learning curve, but holy cow, like, like I've said before, if I was going to start practice all over again, it would be me and a scanner before I would be me and a CA. Um, so progress exams for us are, they get a scan on one day. So it adds about seven minutes of time to that adjustment. Then they get an adjustment. So I don't do the scans. I've trained someone else to do the scans. And at this point, I don't even know if I would know how to do the scans because I haven't done one in two and a half years um, because our staff does them. So on that day where they get the exam, that happens, nothing changes with me. They get an adjustment. It doesn't affect my life. Uh, the next time they come in for their next adjustment, we go over the scan. So we divvy it out kind of like day one, day two. So that was a big thing where, uh, within our clinic, we had kind of a, dis not a big disagreement, but where I felt like I could teach someone how to analyze the scans and relay the information. I still would need to sit down before a shift and, you know, if we had five people that we were going over their scans, not their day two, you know, maybe it's their day 13, maybe it's their day 560, um, or, you know, but like I could before a shift sit down and go like, okay, so here's Susan's scan and okay, she's been telling me this and this and this, here's what I'm finding in her low back. Okay, this totally makes sense that this red bar is here and it wasn't before, here's why, whatever. I would spew through the scans and my CA who was being trained in doing them would relay the information. And um, there was lots of little, like, is this ideal? No, we're, we're going to return back to doctors going over the scans, but we didn't have a choice. Like it was either no scans and then risk patients falling off or find a way to get that information. And so we had little, like, you know, there would be some people where, um, maybe it, this is pretty rare to be honest, but like there'd be some people where it's like, oh no, I, I have to do that scan. And then we would communicate with them. Like Lauren really wants to go over your scan. Unfortunately, she doesn't have time until two and a half weeks from now. Are you okay waiting? Or, you know, um, but ultimately most people, we thought they were going to care. We really thought they were going to care because, you know, um, a really good point that was brought up of like, I don't think we should be delegating this was they get so little of your time already because their adjustment is like 90 seconds. Like, how are we now taking away this 10 minute sit down with them to review their progress exam? And it, like, this is, that's where the debate was within our clinic of like, we're going to lose them if they don't get that time with you. And I was like, well, we're going to lose them if we don't do the exam. So like, we're going to have to make a risk here. So in our clinic, our people didn't care. Um, the person we had doing them is emotionally great at connecting, 
we did a good job of relaying. So she would sit down. I, like I said, I would talk her through the scan or the exam information. She would go, Dr. Lauren said this, Dr. Lauren noted this. So the patient did feel like, okay, um, I would even like write on the scan so they would see, not that they knew my handwriting, but they would see. And then when they came out to get adjusted, I would be like, I would make a comment on the scan while I was adjusting them. Like, hey, pretty awesome that your HRV improved so much, isn't it? Like, or I'd be like, hey, so did Sarah communicate with you that like, I know that that the that neck is looking different than last time and it can it kind of looks worse, but here's did she communicate with you why we think that's happening? Does that make sense? Do you have any questions about your scan? And I would all do that while I was moving and adjusting. 99% of people had no questions and were like, nope, sounds good. Seems like it made sense. And I'm like, cool. Sounds good. See you weekly. Bye. Um, and that was a big one. So it worked for us. I don't know what your progress exam is um, and if it is even remotely possible, but I'm with all of these things, I'm telling you, if you're wanting to hold your little hands onto your little claws into something and you're like, no, nobody else can do it, try it. Try it and see if somebody else can do it. Um, obviously, therapies is an easy one. Um, you know, teach someone how to hook someone up to STEM. Teach someone. If you are taping someone, like, what are you doing? There are YouTube videos on from like trained physical therapists teaching how to do K-tape. You don't even have to teach it. If you find the three most common things that you put K-tape on and sit your CA in front of someone and be like, all right, now practice. Great. You did it. Um, stretches. We would find the times because those would be bottlenecks where it's like, oh, I really want to give a patient that psoas stretch, but I have five people waiting for me. And to give the stretch nicely, like well done, takes 60 to 90 seconds. Ah, um, so we would record videos often using just like nothing fancy, just using like TikToks out, like editing capability video or reels and download it. Um, Kirby turned it into a YouTube link. And then when a patient was, when I'm getting that, like, is there more I should be doing at home for this? You know, you know what I'm talking about. I can easily go. Yeah. We have a great set of neck stretches that I think you're ready to start doing. I will have a team text you the link and there's like a couple stretches in there and I think that'd be great. And the patient goes, awesome, thanks. And so instead of taking, I don't know, 10 minutes to go through a set of five stretches, I can take 10 seconds to be like, yes, we have a video. I'll have the team text it to you. Um... Here's another funny thing that we took over. I only have like two more. Um, small talk. <laughs> so people ask like, how on earth do you make a 90 second adjustment? Like, and insurance isn't paying for it. How do you get someone to pay $40 for a 90 second adjustment? Well, we make it more, the experience more than 90 seconds. So we do open adjusting. Um, so a lot of times when I'm rocking and rolling and going from patient to patient to patient, I have like a helper back there. Um, this person does the notes um, because they're hearing. Um, it, you know, having a note taker is a thing that you can train your staff to do. Um, and also that person would take over small talk. So well, here's, here's what would happen. Oh, I hate knowing that I have patients who listen. But again, we're not sticking here. We, it was an uncomfortable thing we had to do for a year. And going forward, this isn't ideal. But so let's say, okay, patient's face down on the table. I come in. 
hey, Susie, how's it going? Um, how have you been since last week? Are you sleeping better? Okay, that's great. Good. I'm glad to hear that the adjustments are starting to help with that. Um, you know, and then I'm like, what'd you do this weekend? And okay, okay, go ahead and flip over. She's talking about her weekend. Great, great, great. Oh my God, that sounds fun. Well, no wondering your neck was stiffer going tubing, blah, 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 blah. Da, da, da. Okay, sit up. He's a percussor. She's still talking. Great, great, great. And if let's say that this is an ongoing conversation um, where it's not like an easily wrap upable thing. My CA, who's like helping with flow in the open adjusting and like keeping things moving really well, kind of inserts themselves. And just is standing by me and Susie and starts engaging with Susie about the conversation that her and I were just having. And I just moonwalk out of there and go to the next patient. Now, this doesn't happen every single, single, single person at all. Most people, you didn't, it's not like she would go. Um, but how do I, how am I there for a new mom who breastfeeding isn't going well and she's in tears? What do I do about that? When I have 90 seconds devoted to her, I pour into her as much as freaking possible for that time. And then Morgan, who's a new mom and a CA, like sat and talked with her for five minutes, just sat on the table, used up the table. Like, that's fine. I had three other ones I can bounce between. But that mom got seen like she got more than adjusted. She got she still got seen by another human who has enough knowledge about emotional support and mothering. And was Morgan, RCA, giving medical advice? No. If there was medical advice to be given, I gave that right away. Okay, you know what? Let's talk about the supplement. Da, 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 da. Um, I'll send you a link on like whatever on it um, so you can start thinking about whether you want to order it or not. And that would happen after the shift, obviously. So like anything medical, like I became this detective of like, I have 90 seconds with the patient. What do they need from me right now? What can I give them that no one else can? If it's medical advice or not medical, whatever, health advice, like boom, it needs to happen. You know, even if it's just like, you need to be drinking more water. And they're like, I know, but I just can't blah, blah, blah. And they have some response to why they can't drinking water. I can leave. And CA can come in and be like, you know, one of the things that we've done in clinic is we've done like water challenges and we each got these water bottles. So I don't know. You know, it's always funny being one-sided conversation where I'm like, I don't know if you guys are like, this is great. Or if you're like, you're a terrible person. <laughs> you are a bad doctor. You did a bad job in life. Um, but these, this is what we did. This is what we did while we waited because... Sometimes you have to wait. And I think some of you, if you follow some of these recommendations, will find that you might not need an associate. Maybe you find that you're like, you know what? This is working. We've been, we've made these changes. I have somebody, I've hired someone local to do this. I've hired someone to do our marketing. I've done this. And I'm getting to treat patients and that's what I want to do. And I'm physically and mentally happy and our patients seem happy because that's obviously the most important. Like, um, well, some would argue your physical and mental happiness is more important than a patient's. I wouldn't, but I'm broken. So don't listen to me. Um, so, cause if the patients aren't happy, yeah, they're going to leave and then don't worry, you'll have plenty of time for your mental and physical well-being. Um, so let's say you find like, all right, this works. That worked great. That's no big deal. 
then maybe you don't need an associate. Maybe keep that job listing out there and you can be picky and wait for that perfect person to apply. Or you may be like me and you're like, this is not working. Our patients are not getting, like, this is a survival technique until the right person comes. Then great, you survived. You did your best. This is this is what this episode was. How to survive while you wait. Um, if you find that some of these changes helped you thrive, great. It wasn't for us. We were so thankful when um, our paths met with our new associates who were starting. Um, and, you know, but it is funny. It's funny to look back and go like, hoof duh, that was, that was an interesting year. That was not sustainable. Um, our patients were so understanding. You know, and that, you know, that is another thing that I didn't include, but really we had, we were honest with our patients. We, we did it in a way where we were like, you know, we thanked them instead of apologized, right? That's that thing of like, thank you so much. Like with Sarah going over somebody's scan, not not a doctor going over their progress exam. And I would touch base and I'd be like, thank you so much for understanding that we needed Sarah to go over the scan and that we couldn't find, you know, like, thank you for understanding this. Um, And we loved our patients and we like, we did everything we could to make them feel loved despite the fact that their adjustment and what they were getting from the doctor beyond like the 90 second hands on, like we let them know this is not ideal. We are looking for someone, but we're not just going to hire anyone because you don't want a crappy doctor. Like we we're, we're doing things. We're actively doing things to change this and like make this better patients that went a long way with patients. And they really were like, okay, yep. And you know, I also think that patients like their docs to be successful. So knowing like, wow, my doctor is so busy. That that also goes like, okay, well, I could go to a, another doc who sees a fraction of the amount and there's nobody in the waiting room. You know, so like people like to, their understanding is what I say. So I hope that this helped you. If, you. if this episode was something that you clicked on that you're like, hell yeah, I need to know what this is about because I'm in this situation. Oh, girl or boy. My heart, my heart just like feels heavy for you because I know that feeling while you're waiting and how, how frustrating it is and how exhausting it is. So if you got anything from this that will make your life a tiny bit easier, that is all I can pray for for you. So until next week, She Slayers, bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. 
If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. Don't wait.